0: Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell Jr. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website www.h4gchurch.com. Look at somebody next. To you say, "Shut your doubts up!" Come on, look at somebody. Tell them, "Shut your doubt up!" Come on. hide a doubt. You walk by faith. I always um, remember the Holy Spirit gave me this one time. He said, if faith can move mountains, imagine what your doubts can do. If faith can move mountains, imagine what your doubt can do. So, Lord, I don't want to find out. some of the mountains we're trying to climb over is just a mountain of doubt. Because where faith is, there are no mountains. Where there's faith, there's no mountains. Because faith tells those mountains to move. If there's doubt, the mountain is going to doubt. You know, one thing I learned I've, one of the things that we have to learn how to be stewards of our, our words. Yes. Yes. The Bible says, life and death lies where? Power of the and the power of the tongue. And they that love. love it shall eat the fruit of it. And a lot of people don't say that last part. Yes. Yeah. They that love it shall eat the fruit of it. They that love what? the revelation that life and death is in the power of their tongue. If you believe, see, we, we know that our words have power or you should know that your words have power. It means you can't say everything out of your mouth. And here's what I've learned. When you don't learn how to steward your words and keep guard and keep watch over what you say out of your mouth, you'll actually begin to doubt the power of your words. Yes, yes, that's good. So you think you can say anything and it doesn't matter because you don't love the revelation that life and death is in the power of your tongue. But if you really believe that truth, because it's a reality, if you believe that truth, you will be careful as to what you will say. Because what I'm saying is either bringing life or it's bringing death into my life. If I say, man, I'm going to have a bad day this morning, today, that's what, you, that's what I'm going to eat the fruit of, a bad day. And do you know what's so amazing? Because what you say out of your mouth, your mind begins to look for it. Your mind looks for what you say. So if I say I have a bad day when, when the day begins, my mind is going to spend the rest of the day trying to justify what I just said. Yes. I'm going to look for what I said. I'm going to look for what's going wrong. And I'm going to expect to see what I just said. So our words create our realities. Our words form our realities. It's it's literally one of the most critical factors to the wealth of a believer. Because our salvation is even based on our words, isn't it? We are saved because we said something out of our mouths. It's not enough to just think about salvation, right? You got to actually confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. there has been plenty of times I've done deliverance with people who were demon-possessed. And I just ask them, I say, say Jesus is Lord. And then that demon will fight for that person to open their mouth to say that. And as long as they can't confess Jesus is Lord, That demon knows that it has lordship over them, control over them. But once you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that demon realizes it no longer has power. I want you to say with me, say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is is my Lord. Jesus is Lord Lord Lord. of of all. Okay. See, that's what your salvation is based on. So life and death is in the power of your tongue. You realized in the um, story of the people of Israel leaving the wilderness to cross over into the promised land, they not only had to change the way they they thought or change their thinking, they also had to change their words, change their speaking. And I always can tell where a person, where a believer is in their position with God by the words they say. Because faith speaks. So I can, I can tell a person's spiritual location by the words they speak. When doubt comes up in an area of your life, then that means I'm not in faith in this area and that means I need to get some more word in me. Amen. If, if sadness and depression and weakness comes out of you, then that's just a revelation of what's inside of me. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, the mouth speaks. You can't think your way out of the wilderness You have to speak your way out of it. You can't think your way out of your current season. You have to speak your way into a new one. If you want things to change in your life, you have to change the words that are coming out of your mouth. Life is in the power of the tongue. If you want things to get better in your home, don't say what's happening. Say what you want to see happen. If your children are not living the way you want them to live, don't curse them. Don't tell them how bad they're living or behaving. Speak the opposite. You're, whatever you say, you're going to see more of. God created you to have what you say, not to say what you have. Say I'm a I'm a I'm a person of faith. A person of faith. Now now gender gender that. For yourself, say, I'm a man or I'm a woman of faith. I'm a man, I'm a man of faith. Say that two more times I am a man of faith or I'm a woman of faith. Okay, amen. Do you believe that you can have what you say? Yeah. How many of you want to see something new in your life that you're not seeing right now? All right. So God needs you to begin to speak into that new place. Speak life into that new place. I want you to turn with me real quick because I'm going to, I feel led to go a little different than what I had in mind. How many of you have been blessed by this uh, stewardship series? I heard three claps. (laughs) I wanted you to look at at, uh, this story really quick. Very popular story. My plan is not to be before you too long. Never believe a preacher that says that. Matthew 14, verse 13. Hurry up. Matthew 14, verse 13. I feel like God wants me to talk about stewarding the supernatural. Stewarding the supernatural. You are called to steward the supernatural. Remember what we said This a steward is if you were not here for the past two weeks? A steward is a person who is responsible for managing the properties or the affairs of another and that God does not look at us as owners, but he looks at us as stewards that we are going to give an account. Um, Historically, it's interesting, historically, a steward, especially in Jesus' time, thank you guys, H4G Kids is now going on in the back. Um, historically in, 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 um, ancient times, remember that, um, people had servants or slaves in their homes and it wasn't like slavery as we know about it from like the middle passage and African slavery, but people servant it was a servant. It was like a job. People were either servants by, by, uh, either they were born into it. Um, usually it came from when militaries will go to war and part of the way that um, a country or nation will have to pay back their debt was that they will, their people will be at, will be um, brought to serve or to be servants um, or to be slaves and to work in another, another country's kingdom, either for a specific period of time. But what will happen is that stewards or servants Will actually be born into some households, so if your parents were were servants in one home and they had a and they had a a child, then that servant will actually grow up in that household and learn how to actually continue um, their job as being a servant or a steward so those who were but those who were given the the the, the, uh, the position of a steward was a person who was the most trusted, the most reliable out of all the other st- servants in the house. So people had sometimes three, four, five different servants. Or sometimes what would happen is, is because if that person was born in that household, that's the only household they knew. They grew up knowing the affairs of the master or the family. And so let's just say uh, this person who had, a, had servants he would assign that steward to be responsible for dispensing the resources in the house to make sure that any other worker who was coming to work for that master, or for that person, that steward would be the one who managed all the affairs of the, of, the, um, of the master. So it was a very important role, and you had to be faithful. You had to be trusted. Not everyone was given the responsibility of being a steward. They had the keys to the house. They had the keys to the barn. They had the keys to the horse and carriage. The car, all right? But they had they they had the they had they had the ability to represent the, the owner. And so what verse I told you guys to turn to. So when the Bible says that um, God calls us stewards, let me show you real quick. Jump with me to um, keep your finger on that. What is that? Matthew 14. Look at um, Luke 16 really quick and we'll get back there. Luke 16. Because I said Jesus spent more time teaching about stewardship than he did any other subject. And the way he helped make sense of the kingdom uh, to people was that he brought it to them under this, in this, this um, from the subject of stewardship management. Now, Luke 16 verse 1 bible says now jesus said to his disciples jesus said to his disciples there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods he wasn't being a good steward a good manager So he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. So the man was about to be fired. So that means God fires people. See, God may give you a responsibility and if you don't do a good job with what, the assignment is God can take you off of that job and give that job to someone else. We see that repeatedly in his teachings on stewardship. The person with the talents who wasted and buried the talent, God took that talent from that steward and gave it to someone who was going to do something with it. The Bible says that this man wasted was wasting the master's goods I want you to realize God everything nothing goes unnoticed to God Although God is abundant and God owns everything He is amazingly interested in every single Aspect of what happens in life. Nothing gets past him without his awareness He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows what's going on in our in our worlds He knows that even the stuff that doesn't make it to the media or the news God still knows what's going on The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof a good manager is aware of everything that's going on in his estate God is a good manager And he's a good owner. He sees and knows everything. He called to the man and said, give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. I think I mentioned before, this is what judgment day is all about. When we stand before God on judgment day, it's about us giving an account for what we did with stewardship the ministries, the gifts, the talents, the potential, everything God has given you, the dreams in your heart, whatever God has given you, you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to give an account with what you did with his resources, with his ideas, with his abilities. And you're going to be rewarded in heaven Based on your stewardship, the responsible management of God-given resources. Now, how much of what you have belongs to you? Nothing. Nothing. Say, nothing belongs to me. Everything Everything belongs to God. Okay. Now, watch this. The steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Now the Bible doesn't say how he wasted his stewardship, but we can see he was lazy. He said, I, I can't <laughs> dig. And I'm ashamed to bank. that he was too prideful. I'm embarrassed to ask for help. Maybe his problem was procrastination. Because he immediately started to do what he should have been doing when he was told he was going to be put out of the stewardship. He delayed on something he should have already been doing. He wasn't working. He got comfortable where he was in his position and in his role. The Bible says a man's appetite will drive him to work. So he called every one of the master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50 on it. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to them, take your bill, and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. He dealt wisely. Watch this. The man said, "Though there were people who owe my master and I'm going to hook them up by lowering the amount that they have to pay my master back so that when my master puts me out, they have to return the favor to me. So they'll let me into their homes. I could be a steward in their homes because that was his position. So when they find out that the master put them out because he did them a favor, he knew I'm going to position myself in there. And the Bible says God didn't get mad at him for that. He was going to lose money. The master But what what the master was more intrigued by was the fact that he finally got some fire. He finally got back into faith. He finally took some risks and did something with what I gave him. And I, I really believe that More Christians don't take more risks in the kingdom because they're so concerned about getting it right and being perfect. And God isn't even really looking for all of that. (laughs) He just wants you to try. Isn't that what happened with the talents? The person with the one talent, he didn't do anything. With the with the talent that God gave him, so when the master came back and said, "Give me the show me what you, did you have any did you have any interest accrue on the talent that I gave you?" The man said, "No, I buried it." Now watch this. So that means the master was able to come back and get back what he gave him initially. It's not like he didn't have it anymore, but he didn't increase it. So stewardship is not just maintenance. Again, we want to just hold on to our salvation. I just want to stay saved. I'm not trying to do anything else. Because as long as I'm saved, then I know I'm going to heaven. That's all I'm concerned about. God says, no, I want you to take, this. I want you to take the salvation the grace, the righteousness I've given you and now I want you to go out and do something with it. Anybody say increase. Increase is required of you in the kingdom. Write that down. Increase is required of you. God wants to see that he's going to get more from his investment in you. He doesn't want to come back and see you operating at the same level he met you on. God wants to see your faith increase. God wants to see your joy increase. God wants to see your money increase. Everything about you is supposed to increase now that Christ is in your life. See? The kingdom of God is about increase. Of the increase of his government, there is no end. When God returns, see, you got a gift. Some of you got natural Abilities, natural talents, being a good steward is you taking that that talent that God has given you and maximizing it, multiplying it. Every single one of you have a business in you. I'm going to say that again. Every single person in this room has a business in them. Every human being in this world has a business in them. Has God sent anyone in this world empty and void of potential? God created us, said be fruitful. Multiply. That is the mandate for every single human being. The people that grow, and I'm going to tell you something. I heard something this day. They said, people are categorized in three different um, categories. So you have the, uh, one. we have the 5%, you have the 15%, no, you have the 5%, yeah, the 5%, the 15%, and the 80%. Should write those three numbers down: the five percent, the fifteen percent, and the eighty percent. Yes. The five percent represent the top five. The five, the five percent uh, is the, are the super rich in our, in the world. They're the most financially successful. Then you have the 15%. This is what we'll call the middle class. And then you have the 80%. Now, ironically, what they call the middle class, it looks different depending on where you are. Because the middle class is simply more so about The fact that you don't have generational wealth transferring down. What they call the 5% is that they have $5 million or more, have houses or a house paid off that they're handing over to the next generation, and they have $5 million. Now, you don't get to that that status on a job. Come on, somebody. Come on, Pastor. Right? No job is going to pay you that much. You see that? Jobs are not designed to make us rich. Right? So, and I, I want to the, I wanna talk to the people who, by the time they leave this planet, are going to reach that 5%. See, because a just man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Hello. Which means that before you leave this planet, you should have already put in place something that your unborn grandchildren are going to be able to be the recipients of. I'm not saying right now, but by the time you leave this planet, Now, a job is not designed to set you up to reach that level. They say a job stands for J-O-B, just Just over Over broke. Broke. (laughs) Because it's designed to keep you coming back. You get paid just enough to keep coming back. On a job, someone gets to determine your value. Your worth. Okay? There's nothing wrong with a job. You need one right now. Right? No, don't quit. (laughs) Don't quit your job and say, Pastor said quit. (laughs) But you gotta learn the difference between your job. And your work. Because remember, God created us to work. Genesis 2.4. God did not let it rain on the earth because there was no man to till the ground or to work. Okay. God has put in us the potential to be fruitful in an area. And one of the things I want to do next year in 2019 is to make sure every one of you know what your what your purpose is and what you have the potential to be fruitful in and what you have the potential to be productive in and we want to make sure that you understand the management skills necessary to set yourselves up to have your own business Amen. Amen. see because there there's a difference between how the rich manage their money and how the 80% manage their money it's a difference I can guarantee you the 5% don't take their money and go down to the Gucci store and Chanel store and just spend it. And then they end up getting that stuff free somehow, right? Because those who become good stewards actually are given more. God gave me a prosperity secret this week. (laughs) Thank you. I was reading Matthew 25, and uh, the thought came back to me, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, right? That's what I heard. The Lord said, it's not the rich that get richer. He said, good stewards get richer and bad stewards get poorer. if we knew how to steward our money by the time we were 15, 16 years old, some of you would be millionaires, right? Most of us would be millionaires right now. (laughs) Right? Because God says he lets his rain fall on the just and the unjust. God is not making anybody rich and God is not making anyone poor. The Bible actually says in Proverbs, the destruction of the poor is their poverty. What keeps people poor is their poverty. The mindset. So, what the enemy wants to do is that God, you know, when, when, when Solomon said, wisdom is better than money. Wisdom is more profitable than gold or silver. I want you to realize what what Solomon is saying. Because if you just simply go after silver, or you go after gold, or you go after money, then you're only searching for a job. Wisdom is, God show me my purpose. So that I can know my worth and I can know my value because once I know my value and my worth, people will actually pay me for what I have. Come on, Pastor. I'm not looking for you to pay me. People will come to pay me because of what I have and what I know I have. Come on. Come on. See, being a good steward... Starts with me understanding that what I have is enough to prosper me. I'm going to say it for the person in the back. Being a good steward, watch this, starts with knowing that what I have is enough to prosper me. Because if you believe that what you have is not enough. See, what people say is, oh, I can't tithe I only make $300, it's not enough for me to tithe. They look at what they have is not enough, so what they do, they waste it. Whereas I have $300, this is a start. And I can take, my dad always said this, he said, if you don't tithe if you have $100, you're not gonna tithe when you have $1,000. (laughs) so if I right it's never going to be enough (laughs) I'm gonna show you why I said that look at um the verse I said in the beginning what I say Matthew 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 14 oh wait before you leave Luke we didn't finish there The sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation, are more wise in their generation than the sons of light. Because the sons of light became religious somewhere, and religion makes us lazy. I say to you, Jesus said, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Jesus said, go out and actually make friends with people who understand money. Now, watch this. The same Bible that said, don't be friends with the world. Then tells us, make friends with people who know know money. And he said, they're not always going to be in the church. They're not always going to be the children of light. You're going to find some unbelievers, some unsaved people who are good stewards of money. Jesus said, get around them and learn from them. That's right. Come on. The one, yeah. Yeah. Right? Come on. Now watch this. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. See that? Again, it goes back. If I say what I have is not enough, then I'm going to be unfaithful with it. um, And this is the verse that motivates me. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? You guys read that? Read that? If you have not been faithful, diligent, a good steward of unrighteous mammon, stuff, earthly things, material things, money, who will commit to your trust true riches? So Jesus is telling us how we manage money is kindergarten for us to be trusted with the supernatural. God says, I want to see who I can trust with true riches by how well they can steward and be trusted with the material things, the, the insignificant things. Yeah. This, was my, this is my motivation to being a good steward. That if I want God to trust me with influence over nations and to trust me with favor, And trust me with miracles. God says it starts with my financial integrity. What? You mean to tell me pay my bills on time? God cares about that? And that determines if God wants to trust me. with healing the sick and raising the dead. come on. It doesn't mean that if a person has a lot of money and they're good stewards and good managers that they immediately have access to the supernatural but what it means is that God says I want you to learn how to steward the natural so that you can be trusted with the supernatural and God's proving ground or the way God determines if we are faithful or not if we can be faithful not faithful or not it's by what we do with material things how generous are you with what you currently have see because if you can give if you can give with what you have you can't say i don 't have enough to give you can't say i don't have enough to give what faith does Is find opportunities to mix your finances with God's possibilities. I want to see that if I obey God's word to tithe, didn't he say, test me and prove me? The only place in scripture God says to test him is with a tithe. The only place. The Bible says, do not test the Lord your God. The same Bible that says, do not test the Lord your God, tells us, test him with the tithe. <laughs> Contradiction? See, all truth is held in tension. Because God said, I need you to know me. I need you to trust me. God is going to find ways to offend our minds, to reveal our hearts. (laughs) God will find ways to offend our minds, to reveal our hearts. This is how he brings us into his world. I want to see what you're going to do with $100. I want to see what you're going to do with $50. God, this is my money. I worked hard for this. You want me to give it to somebody? You want me to give to the church? Matthew 20, we don't have time to look at it. Matthew 20 is another, par- another parable. The Bible talks about how a man went out to hire servants. And he, the Bible says he hired people. He said he gave, he set a wage. He said, I'll pay you for a full day's work. And so he hired, a, he hired some, uh, some laborers at 9 a.m. No, 6 a.m. Then he hired some more at 9 a.m. Yep. Then he hired some more at 12. Then he hired some more at 3. And at the end of the day everybody came to get paid the people who got hired at three ended up getting paid the same as those who got hired at 6 a.m and so the people who saw (laughs) that the people who got hired at three got paid the same as them they got mad at the master and said how is it that you are paying them what we are getting paid and we did more work than you than them You know what, the, what, the, what Jesus said back in the, in the parable? The master said, why is it that what I choose to do with my money bothers you? <laughs> and after that, it said, your, does your evil eye. I'm a, you got to read it. I'm a, I, I need you to see it. Matthew, jump with me. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. See, it's, this, is, it's, this, is, this, is offend, this will offend a lot of you, right? Because if somebody got paid what you got paid, and you worked all day and they worked for three hours, you would be mad, right? <laughs> How many of you will say that's not right? That's not fair. See, favor isn't fair, right? Because if y'all got, if you were on the other end, and God had that three and got paid the same, you would say it's favor. You see how that is? When we the ones getting blessed, it's okay. That's not right. See? Look at what Jesus said. They said, verse 12, no, verse 11. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying these last men have worked only one hour, excuse me, one hour. And you made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. (laughs) But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius, a dollar? Which was a, 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 at that time, that was a full day work. It was okay. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Verse 14, take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. It's my money. I can do what I want with it. It's my grace. I can do what I want with it. It's my favor. I can do. See, when you forget that you're not the owner of nothing. It's not your money. God can do whatever he wants. To look at somebody next to you say, it don't got to be right. It don't have to be fair. Right? Our self-righteousness. Our self-righteousness is an issue. That's why we need to seek his righteousness, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Because God's righteousness doesn't look like ours. What God decides, whatever God wants to do is right. It doesn't matter if I agree. (laughs) Look at what he said. Take what's yours, go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Mm -mm 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 -mm. If I have more time. God will allow his goodness to expose the evil in your own eyes. God, why is it that everybody else is getting blessed but me? And don't we begin to rail up accusations against God and we begin to talk about all that we've been doing for God, how faithful we have been and I deserve and I should get this now. Look at what he said. The last will be first and the first will be last. Many are called but few are chosen. The criminal on the cross right next to Jesus his last dying breaths believed in Jesus and said Jesus said on this day you shall be with me in paradise he spent his whole life in sin his last three hours he confessed Jesus and he made it in are you gonna be mad because you spent your whole life (laughs) in holiness Ran all white. <laughs> <laughs> this person lived however they wanted to live, and in the last few minutes, they made it in. What is it to you? <laughs> Mind your business. See, that's what good stewardship is about, minding your own business. (laughs) Mind your own business. You focus on what God has called you to do, run the race God called you to run, focus on working on yourself, your dreams. Don't worry about who's getting blessed now. Everybody got their own race to run. Come on church. So we don't judge. Yeah. We don't judge. I wish I had time to show you. I'm going to end here. Who said that? <laughs> wow. Find your business. <laughs> See, because when you don't, you try to steward somebody else's life. You try, you're trying to steward somebody else's responsibilities and dreams. When you get focused, you don't care about other people's critiques, you don't care about other people's gossip of you. got a job to do i'm about my father's business and i'm gonna be a good steward because when i stand before god all god is going to ask me is what i did with my talents what i did with the abilities he gave me what he did what i did with the money he gave me and it's, it's, it's a powerful thought because we can miss out on the soup, we're gonna—you're gonna miss out on so much more of what God has in store for your life, because you're so worried about what other people are probably doing with their lives, what other people are doing with their stewardship. Look at Ma- uh, what did I say to start off. Can I go there real quick? What was it? Matthew fourteen. Matthew 14. Thank you. All right. Give me ten extra minutes. Thank you. I want to be a good steward of, of your time. What did I say? Matthew 14. You got it? Verse 13. Hallelujah. And then I'm going to give you a list of things to be good stewards of after this. All right. When Jesus heard it, he departed from the boat. He, de- he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Next verse. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great crowd and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. The hour was already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves what? Food. Food. Next verse. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. What? What? You give them- Who? You give them something to eat. Now, this wouldn't have made sense until you understand what's, what, 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 what happened. The people were hungry. Thousands of people. They had no food. When Jesus told them to feed them, they were looking like, well, where are we going to get the food from? So what did Jesus point to? Look at the next verse, verse 17. They said to him, we only have, we only have. Notice how they said it. We only have. So what was the problem? (laughs) The problem was that they looked at what they had as not enough. Are you looking at what you have is not enough? Are you wishing that you had more? Because remember, you can only be trusted with the amount that you can steward. So whatever you have is enough. If you learn how to take what you have and steward it, God will then make what you have multiply. They said, well, we only got five loaves and two fish. So they disqualified themselves from the possibility of a miracle. So stewarding the supernatural requires me to look at what I have and see, number one, if God has given me this, it's enough. Moses, you're leading millions of people. And then he gets to the sea. Then he stops and says, what are we going to do? God says, what do you have in your hand? God will offend a mind. (laughs) What do you have in your hand? Moses said, all I got is this rod. Use it. God will never bring you to a place in your life and you don't have enough. I said, God will never allow you to get a place in your life and you don't have enough to get past it whatever you have right now is enough to get you out of whatever rut whatever situation that you're in but the problem is is that you're overlooking what you have thinking that you need something more God says no the more is in the less the more is in what you actually already have you, we have five loaves, two fish. Jesus says, feed them. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Next verse. He said, bring them here to me. So Jesus says, let me help you out with this. <laughs> so here's now how God begins to teach us. First and foremost, look at what you have. If you don't know what you have, ask somebody to show you what you have. You say, I don't know. I don't have a dream. I don't have a purpose. I don't know what I'm called to do. No, everybody has something in them that's designed to prosper them. So it starts with me looking at what I have and not overlooking it and saying it's not enough. Okay, God, thank you for what I have. Okay. Jesus now says, bring them to me. So now we mix the supernatural with what we have in the natural. Verse, four, verse 19. Then he commanded the multitude, sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed it and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. The Bible says he blessed it and he gave thanks. And he broke it and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave back to the multitudes. Now the other translation actually shows us where they got the five loaves and two fish. Where'd they get it from? A little boy. A little boy's lunch. Now we talk about the fact that there was five loaves and two fish but I like to think about the fact that that little boy gave up his lunch. He sold his lunch. With the possibility of not getting it back. <laughs> Watch this. The little boy gives them his lunch because he wanted to see a miracle happen. See, kids got faith. Jesus. Is here. I give him my five. He wants my bread and my fish. I'm going to give it to him. I want to see what he can do. He took a risk. He took a risk. Jesus blesses it, breaks it, gives it back to the disciples. The disciples give to the multitudes. Verse 20. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. So what happened? Not only did all the multitudes get filled, they had more left over than what they started with. But none of this would have been possible if they didn't first and foremost look at what they had, gave it up to God. Say, Lord, I'm grateful for what I have. Jesus took what they thought wasn't enough, took it in his hands, said, Lord, thank you. Father, thank you. It's as simple as that. Good stewardship begins with you looking at what you have and saying, what I have is enough to prosper me. We think wealth is a get rich quick type of thing. That God is going to rain money down. Shower blessings on you, and you're going to turn into a multimillionaire. millionaire that's, that's not how it works.'. It's <laughs> not how it works. But how it does work is that you start with the little that you have, and you grow it. You grow it. What was the first thing you do with your money? You set up the system of tithing. Notice what Jesus did. I love Jesus' management skills. You know, the Bible actually says in another another chapter is that the Bible says he made everybody sit down in groups of fifty, and he set order, and he set them in place in order to pre- prepare them for the miracle. So it's important, like uh, Bianca's been sharing this word over the house, that God is keep saying, "Build a boat." We have to learn to build a boat, prepare for what we are expecting to happen. If you're expecting God to open up doors for you in an area in which you want to break into, you have to actually begin to prepare yourself and prepare your life as if you are operating in that level. So I can't say I'm expecting God to prepare me, for, to give me a car and you don't have a license. Right? You build a boat, and then you get ready for what's to come. Yes. <laughs> if you don't have a job, that doesn't mean you can't work. That's right. That's right. If you're not working, and you have an oven, for example, you have flour, you have butter, and you can bake, You can create cake. (laughs) Christmas is coming up. See? It takes effort, right? It takes work. We're praying, God, send somebody to help me. What if God is saying no? Turn your oven on. (laughs) I got to wrap up. Start playing so I can um, wind down. <laughs> but watch this. I'm closing right now. Bible says in Proverbs 13 11, Dishon- dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. So what is it? Little by little. Incremental growth. So how do you get rich? Somebody said, how to get rich? Number one, spend less money than you make. (laughs) Spend less money than you make. Step two, save the rest. Step three, repeat one and two for a long time. (laughs) Spend less money than you make. Save the rest. And what happens? Little by little. It'll take a long time. But then here's how you've been. You've got to grow your income to make more money, to save more, to be able to do more with it. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Don't ever look at what you have is not enough. Jesus looked at five loaves of bread and two fish and said, this is enough, more than enough to feed 5,000 people. It's a mindset. Prosperity starts with our beliefs. If I believe I can prosper, if I believe I can, I can, if I believe I can be wealthy, I will be wealthy. If I believe that I can reach the top 5% before I die, I will be. Come on. Come on Pastor. I'm not going to let what somebody else dictated about me be my reality. Because God didn't call me to be in the 80%. No, he didn't. God didn't call me to be poor. He didn't call me to be broke. Right. God told me, called me to be a good steward. And if I be a good steward, the, Come on. Come on. the good steward gets richer. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and the bad steward gets poorer. Yeah. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, and don't waste either. Jesus was very frugal. Did you notice that <laughs> the pieces that were left over, Jesus said, picked them up and put them in the basket? <laughs> everybody ate and everybody was full. Jesus said, pick it up. Take that up. Don't throw that away. You guys don't waste waste too much stuff. Amen. Oh, I told you I was going to give you guys some things to be good stewards of, right? All right, go ahead. Be a good steward of your money. That's a given, right? Be a good steward of your money. Number two, be a good steward of your time. Psalms 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number three, be a good steward of your thoughts. Steward your thoughts. Number three, be a good steward of your body. Take care of your body, manage it. Manage your thoughts. The Bible says, take captive every thought. Take captive every thought that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. I didn't write that verse down. Another thing to be steward of. Be a steward of your victories. You know, sometimes we accomplish things and we don't even take time to celebrate it. You know? Celebrate. Be a good steward of your testimony. Be a good steward of your last breakthrough. I didn't say this. Another reason why Jesus said you feed them was because he multiplied food before for them. You know, he multiplied food two times. The first time it was for 4,000. The second time it was for 5,000. So he expected them to be able to know that they can feed the 5,000 because they saw them. He saw him feed a multitude before. And the first time it was with seven loaves. It's in the Bible. So Jesus expected their minds to be renewed according to the last breakthrough they had. If God did something for you in the past, you're a good steward of that thing by now taking the faith from that last moment into your next battle, into your next situation, into your next storm. I can't believe God can't multiply food if I saw him do it. I can't say God can't heal if I seen him heal. Finally, steward your relationships. Steward your relationships. That doesn't mean steward the person. (laughs) Steward your relationship, your connection with the person. Understand that God is called, if God has connected you to people, and he has, you have a responsibility to manage how you show up in that relationship, not how they show up in that relationship. You can't control what people do, but you can control what you do. So when you decide to be, I'm a kind person, I'm gonna remain kind. I'm a generous person, I'm gonna remain generous. I'm a forgiving person, I'm gonna remain forgiven. I can't let what somebody else do change how I am gonna to react to them. Because then that person has control over me. But be a good steward of every relationship you have. And I promise you, if you begin to think this way in this season, your 2019 is going to be filled with abundance. God says, I can trust more people with you. I can trust you with more influence. I can trust more opportunities to come your way. Amen. So Holy Spirit... I thank you for dismantling the lie that we don't have enough and that we are not enough. Holy Spirit, I thank you that because you are with us, there are no limits to what we can do together. We are not alone in this, but because Jesus is walking with us, if I take my little and put it in his hands he can multiply it he can stretch it i'm not going to be stingy with my faith neither will i bury the talent that he's put in me but i'm determined to be a good steward i'm determined to increase what you have given me for you're expecting more of me because you have set me up to be in position to bring more to you. So Father, I thank you today, God. Hungry for God is growing, not only in the natural, but in the supernatural. That Hungry for God, we are learning to be good stewards, good managers. You have, you have cities that you're calling us to influence. There are businesses that you're calling us to be good stewards of, Father. You have, you have so much in store. For us. And Lord God, we are choosing to stand in agreement with you today. To be co-laborers with you in this season. So we thank you. I want you to lift up your hands with me. Say, Lord, I thank you for what you have given me. Open my eyes to see that it is more than enough to prosper me. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.